So who here plays sports or has played sports? Okay, of you, how many ran track? Couple, couple of sort ofs, couple of, couple of all the way up. Shane's all the way up. Um, I ran track in high school. I also played football, but um, like the Lord just kind of gave me this like track analogy, and and He gave me this a while ago, and so I didn't know really when He was going to share. It. And He's like, okay, yeah, now's the time, right? So in track, you show up the first day, and the first thing you do is get in the blocks, right? Who's ran track? Do you get in the blocks the first day? No, you never get in the blocks the first day, right? You're not ready to get in the blocks. You haven't even learned what the blocks are, right? If you were to get in the blocks and try to take off, you'd probably pull a hammy or something, and you'd be walking like this. But I don't know if it's for punishment or just to get tough, but um, my track coach always had us running hills. Did you run hills, Shane? Yeah. So for some reason, the beginning of the season, we're running hills, right? And so, man, it was, it was tough because you're kind of out of shape. You haven't been working out. And something about running hills, it gets you in shape really quick. But it's hard because when you get to the top of the hill, you are just sucking wind. And you're just like, oh, God, Lord, what is he making me do this for? Uh, you get in shape really fast. So that's kind of the beginning of the, the, beginning of the a season. Um, as the season progresses on, you, you, don't, you stop running hills, and you start maybe doing more exercises where you're, like, striding out. You're, you're doing um, more consistent workouts. You're really toning your body and getting your, your muscles used to running and consistent running. But then as the season goes on, your body gets used to running that consistency, and then now you need to change your, your body up because you need to start running faster. And as you're progressing through the year, the goal is by finals, you're actually peaking. And although you're running well and you're competing all throughout the year, the goal is at the end to really make a push for the finals. And the same goes in most sports. So at the end, you start doing intervals. And if you've run track, that's a bad word, intervals. Or swimming, too. I can see my wife shaking her head because we do intervals. So intervals are you maybe run a 3.30, run a walk at 110, run a, run a 200, walk at 110, and, you, and you, you're constantly going. And what it does is it's mixing up your body's muscle memory so that you can progress. Right? And then you get into really fast workouts to really increase your speed. I think it was my sophomore year I ran track, my jun junior year I ran track, and I ran the 100, the 220, 440 relay, and the 440, reluctantly ran the 440, which was the mile relay. Um, and then my senior year, my coach said, we don't have a 440 guy, quarter mile guy. And so I had to run the quarter mile. And my best event was the 220. I had the JV record when I was a sophomore um, in, in the 220 because I had good leg speed. But my endurance, I couldn't keep that up around a 440. So I had to really retrain my body to run a 440. And the 440 is designed to where you, when you hit the finish line, you should have died like 20 yards before that, right? And then just carried on through it, right? <laughs> 
So that's, that's what the 440 was. If you haven't run one, go out. It's a lot of fun. You just hit this thing called the wall, and then just bam, you, fall, you practically fall on your face. It's only through just sheer determination that you can make it to the end. My senior year, I was lucky enough to make it to, through the finals because of my time into CIF finals, and I made it through the preliminary rounds, and um, I made it to actual finals. And my coach said to me, okay, you're the only white guy out there, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> um, and so he said, you're going to have to get out like you have never gotten out before, and you're going to have to try to hold it to the end, and it's going to be hard. And so I did. I got out, and I think I had my record 220, the first 220 of it, but I still had a 220 to go, right? And so I kind of strode out on the, it's called striding out. On the back stretch, you kind of stride out to try to keep your momentum going. And then out of the, out of the last turn, it's just everything you've got left and about halfway down that last stretch, I completely hit the wall. But I was out pretty far in front of me. I think I scared a few people because they didn't think I was going to be in it, just uh, based on my times. And if I could have held that through to the end, I probably could have placed better. But I actually got sixth place and got a medal my senior year in CIF finals. So it was amazing. But it was only because I really pushed myself to the limit. So, what does that have to do with Jesus, right? I'll get to that in a little bit throughout. And the reason, the reason I, I like that analogy is because when you start out your walk with the Lord, like you're just not all of a sudden prophesying over people. You're not all of a sudden just praying over people and seeing them healed. You've got to start establishing a relationship with him. And that's kind of like running the hills at the beginning of track. So as you progress along, you, you kind of have to change things up. And as you, as you get closer and closer to God, um, you just got to kind of keep changing up your walk with him. That's just kind of the way it works. If we kept doing the same thing, if we kept running hills through the whole season, we would never progress in our, in our, our walk with the Lord, right? So let's just go to the Father real quick. Father God, we just thank you that you're always talking to us, Lord. Um, would we just be better at listening, Lord? Um, I just ask tonight that um, you would just move in this place, Lord, that you would begin to just speak in ways that you've never spoken to people before that are here at the Grove. Lord, we just we thank you that you're going to do this in advance because we know that this is what you want, Lord. Do you want a deeper relation with us, and how do we do that? We do that by talking and interacting with you back and forth, Lord. So we just ask for you to just um, extend grace out where grace is needed, Lord, and that you would just move in all of us to be listened to you better. In Jesus' name, amen. So whoever remembers the Verizon commercials? Can you hear me now? No. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Thanks. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? We're walking around trying to get coverage, right? Like we're trying to get to a window or we get a couple more bars. And, and like, like sometimes it's just like, oh, no, I can't hear you right now. And um, 
and I think the Lord's doing that to us sometimes. Like he, he's saying, he's, he's on the other end talking to us and, and we're trying to like hear him and we keep moving around and we have to keep moving around because he is going to talk to us in different ways. But we got to find that signal. We just got to find that one bar so we can actually hear him, right? So the, the title of, of tonight's message is, Can You Hear Me Now? And the Lord gave me this message um, this last um, before winter retreat. He woke me up at like 3 in the morning, and he started downloading this message. And I don't know if you wake up at 3, 3 or 3.30 in the morning. The first thing you want to do is get up and start writing stuff down. But sometimes he actually does that. And if you, if you just do what he's asking, he will reveal this, this, some amazing things to you. But he doesn't always do it then. Sometimes he can do it in my car while I'm at lunch. Or, you know, you know it's, just, it's different all the time. Um, in Job 33:14, it says, "For God does speak now one way, now another, though no one perceives it." It's that's right there in the Bible saying He speaks in different ways, to, but He's always speaking. That it says He does speak. And the thing about Him is He is an omnipresent God. He, I have a slide for that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he isn't changing, but we are constantly changing. Uh, And the depths of his love are just endless. So for us to think that we could actually understand that right away, especially when we're first starting to walk with him, would be crazy. And it's silly to think and hold ourselves like we, like, um, feel bad about ourselves because we're not maybe hearing from him. In uh, Ephesians 3.17 through 19, it says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, by rooted and grounded in love, may have power together with all the saints to comprehend the length and width and height and depth of his love. And to know that love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fulfillment of God. So as individuals, we can't really uh, know and really truly understand the Lord by ourselves. Because it says right here, together with all the saints. So it takes all of us together to really understand the depth and the width Um, and the length and the height of his love, because we are all getting it in different aspects, we need to be able to share with each other the different aspects of the Lord. And we're always changing our perspective of him. One of my favorite creatures or or, um, angels in the Bible is the seraphim. Does anybody know what the seraphim is? So they, I was actually looking for a, fo- a picture of one so I could show, up, show it and show how beautiful they are. I couldn't find one that, that shows as beautiful as I envisioned them being. So they, they are these three-winged creatures, and they have eyes all over their bodies. 
Um, in, in Isaiah, it, they're mentioned, and they're mentioned again in Revelation. In Revelation, it explains them a little bit deeper. I think it's a, an ox. Who knows it? Um, a, human, a human, an ox, a bear, and a lion, I think. Oh, what? Yeah? Yeah. So they're these creatures, and they, they, they fly with only two of the wings. Two of them cover their feet, and, and two of them cover their head. Basically, I think that's right. And so they actually circle the throne. They're constantly circling the throne and worshiping. And the 24 elders are all there in their thrones as well. So these seraphim are circling around. Imagine all these eyes. So they're always gazing at the Lord. No matter what angle they're at, they're always looking at the Lord. And they're circling around. And they're constantly getting a different view of the Lord. They've been doing this for thousands of years. And they'll do this forever. And then all of a sudden something new is revealed to them. And they fall to their knees, everybody in heaven, and say, Holy, 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 it's the Lord Almighty who is and was and will forever be. Thousands of years they've been doing this. How can we think that we would know the Lord in just the few years we've been here on this earth? Like, why would we think that we would ever know the Lord as good as these seraphim? They're constantly circling and they're just constantly praising the Lord. There's so many facets and there's such deep facets that they're just, they're always constantly going around with different views of the Lord and they're constantly being revealed new things for, about the Lord. And what's cool about Revelation is it actually says the 24 elders on the throne, on their thrones, they all fall to their knees and they just give their crowns. They put, throw their crowns down. These are crowns that they were given by the Lord. So, I don't know exactly who the elders are. I'm sure there's, there's a story behind that that I would, I'm kind of curious um, to learn. But these are precious thrones that are gold with rubies and diamonds. And I, I just picture all these things in there. And they just throw them down at the Lord because they're meaningless compared to the, the, how amazing God is when these things are revealed to them. So God's always talking. Are you listening? That's point two. I meant to say this at the beginning, but um, having a Bible and a, a thing to take notes on, um, I think J.D. Small said, note takers are history makers. And I've taken that to heart. I, I don't go into any kind of meeting or anything without my notebook. And... It's cool because I don't always go back and look at everything in there, but, man, when I remember, oh, God, what, what was that about? I want to go, like the Lord's saying something about that. I can go back and thumb back through the pages um, and find it, or just sometimes just going back through the pages and just going, oh, what was going on? Like, and you can just really see all your, your, your walk with the Lord. Like, it's pretty amazing. And then a physical Bible. I know everybody has phones, but physical Bible, you can actually write in the columns and underline and highlight and do all kinds of stuff. Um, anyway, in Second Peter one three through four, it says, "His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life 
through our knowledge of him who has called us upon, has called us his own glory and goodness. Think about that for a second. I love analyzing scripture. It's amazing what one scripture can, can reveal. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. He's called us by his own glory and goodness. Awesome. Through these, he's given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Great promises are, how do we hear great promises? Through listening to him, right? Knowledge, studying the word, and then hearing from him. His promises, which, bless you. In John 10, 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. If I'm not a shepherd, those sheep are not going to follow me. If I go out and, and see a bunch of sheep, and I go out there, Hey, come on, sheep. Come with me over here. Uh, yeah, we're going to the slaughterhouse. Come on. It's going to be fun. <laughs> no, they're not going to follow me. <laughs> I don't know where that slaughterhouse thing came from. These things just come. Um, but if the shepherd calls them, they are going to follow him, and they'll follow him all over the place because they know him, because they've been living with him. He's been, he's been um, taking care of them for days, months, years, you know. Point number three is, is your heart and spirit positioned to hear him? Is your heart and spirit in a position to hear him? Like I was saying earlier, as we grow, we need to change channels. If we just keep thinking we're going to hear from him the same way, we're just not going to grow any, any deeper. We may be satisfied with where we're at, and maybe we hear from him a little, but the only way to hear from him more is to change what we're doing. It takes an activation. We have to actively do something different. In 2 Peter um, 1, 5 through 9, kind of just continuing on. I'm not going through all of 2 Peter, but if you have a chance, go read it. It's amazing for hearing from, from the Lord. It, it's a really cool book. And it's pretty short. It's actually a pretty quick read. It says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Sound a lot like the fruits of the Spirit? So as we've kind of progressed, we did fruits, and now we're working on gifts. You've really got to be able to have the fruits of the Spirit before you can really truly operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I, I love this scripture right here um, because it's kind of progressive. Add to your faith goodness. So you can have faith in the Lord, but if you're not good, where are you going to get with it? 
you can be faithful and sit in a room and not be good. And to goodness, knowledge. So you have faith, you're good, and then you've got to build your knowledge up to really start, start operating in the in this, uh, gifts. And to knowledge, self-control. What, what good is knowledge if you can't control it? If you can't control yourself and you're still sinning or something else, you're not going to fully operate in, this, in the gifts. Uh, gifts. And to self-control perseverance. Man, it's, it's a struggle. Life is a struggle. You've got to be able to persevere. We don't always do a great job of that, but when we come out the other side, we're usually a lot stronger, right? And to perseverance, godliness, just trying to be more and more like Jesus. What would Jesus do in this situation? Just trying to be more like him all the time. Mutual affection, add to godliness, mutual affection, having really compassion for each other and really living that in true form. And add to mutual affection, love. It's all got to be about love because nothing else is going to operate if we're not operating in love. And that's why I believe they, that it's in that particular order is because it's very intentional how the, the Bible's written. In verse 8, it goes on to say, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is funny. Like, the way he words this, he doesn't say, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will be effective and productive. Now he's saying it will keep you from, if you, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Does that make sense? Like why it's, like why it was worded the other way, it's different. Like it, Like it's like, if you don't do these things, you will be ineffective. <laughs> you will be unproductive. But if you do them, they will keep you from being that way. And then Peter, in true form, says, But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Peter, 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 Peter. He walked on water and then denied Jesus three times. And then he says that. So point number four is, are you living in a way that causes the Holy Spirit to come closer or move further away? What can we do to draw him closer? What can we do that would push him away? Right? When Jesus just got baptized and, and he came out, the, the skies parted, and, and then the Holy Spirit came on him, came on upon him like a dove and... and and God said, or the Father said, this is my son who I am well pleased. Now, if Jesus was, like, running around saying, ooh, I've been baptized, and, like, doing a bunch of weird stuff, like, the Holy Spirit would have probably moved away from him, right? Or if we're sinning, we know the things that we're doing um, that can cause him to, to move away from us. Or do we cause him to move closer by the things that we're doing and the way we're loving people? As it says in 2 Peter 2, 9, 19, people are slaves to what has mastered them. 
what does master do? Is it good or is it bad? Do you want to be a slave to sin or a slave to love? If you've been a slave to sin, it's okay. We've all fallen. This is a fallen world. Um, we're going, we have sinned in the past. We are going to sin in the future. It's what we do with that sin that is the most important thing. The Bible says all we have to do is ask and you will be forgiven. Like it never happened. He doesn't just forgive, he forgets, right? As if it never happened. I've had a bunch of addictions, and I won't go into that in my life, and things that I've tried to conquer all my life, but until I had Jesus really in my heart, really in my heart, I kept falling back into those things. Once I had Jesus, he completely freed me them of them like they never happened. And I just thank him so much for that. I'm going to be standing here if he didn't. So Romans 10, 17 says, uh, the point is, before you trust, you have to listen. But unless God, Christ's word is preached, there is nothing to, listen, nothing to listen to. So you have to trust him. You have to listen. Then you've got to tell, tell somebody. You've got to talk about it. Just sitting in your own room, the word not preached is the word never heard. And he's just, he's just always talking in different ways. Um, I get discouraged sometimes because I, I feel like I'm not hearing from him, and then I kind of change my ways, and I, I feel like I, I start to. Um, can I just tell a really cheesy joke real quick? Because that's just who I am. It's who I am, and I'm love. <laughs> um, a man was praying to the Lord, and he said, Lord, how long is a thousand years to you? The Lord said, a thousand years is like a minute. And he asked, Lord, how much is a million dollars to you? A million dollars is a penny to me. And the man said, Lord, can I have a penny? And he said, in a minute. <laughs> See, he, he hardy, har, har, right? He wants to reveal everything to us, but it's not in our time. It's his time, right? Um, it may be a minute, but it could be a thousand years. From the time Malachi was written, the, the, the last book of the Old Testament, until, until the first book, the Gospels were written, was 400 years. You think those people were pressing in saying, Lord, we want to hear from you? Imagine that 400 years waiting. That's a long time, right? And we snivel about couple days not hearing from the Lord or a week or point number five is listen if you think you can't hear him he's probably trying to reveal something new to you 
in a different way. He does want to reveal it all to you, but just like Moses, like he had to hide part of him or he would have like exploded or something like that. Like, like he needs us to go through the process. We grow so much more in the process. When we press in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, we've come to a new level now and then he reveals it to you. Like any dry season I've ever had have come out with super amazing revelation at the end of it. It's just, it's so cool how he does that. So if you aren't hearing from him, just turn and say, can I hear him now? Can I hear him now? Can I hear him now? Yes, I hear you, Lord, yes. Because we have to keep moving, right? We just can't, can't stay stagnant. Um, so what I'd like to do is kind of just do a little exercise in... Um, before we start moving, I, I just want to go through it. Like, if you uh, have ever done this, it's it's just such a cool, powerful thing. It's I want to kind of practice. Everybody practices hearing from the Lord, but I want you to hear not not for a prophetic word for other people. That's amazing, and we'll get into that later. But we're going to just start with a baby step of just hearing from the Lord yourself. So, this exercise, um, it's just for you. It's just between you and the Lord. And just as if you were, as, as if God was writing you a letter, just start with writing your name or dear Sean, here's what I think, here's what I think of you. And then just start writing and just keep writing it out. But don't think about it. Just try to use your imagination and just let your imagination flow and just... Just start writing like like as if as if God was talking directly to you. Um, so if you don't have anything to write on or write with, there's a pen and papers right here. Can we throw on some music too? So we'll just we'll just kind of spread out in your own area. You can sit there if you want to stay there. Um, whatever's comfortable for you. We're going to just kind of put on a little bit of soaking music and we're just spend like, like five or ten minutes just writing down what God thinks of you, what God's telling, telling you right now. 